Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of ghostly visitors, near-death experiences, premonitions, hauntings and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary women reveal their extraordinary encounters. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Spirit Sisters, the podcast, which I'm recording on a blisteringly cold winter's day in Sydney. Before I begin, I want to briefly share the news that I've launched a second podcast called The Ghost Files, which you can also listen to on iTunes. If you haven't checked it out yet, I'd love you to subscribe, rate and review it. And of course, I'd so appreciate if you did that with Spirit Sisters, the podcast too. Thank you in advance. Okay, now to the episode. My guest today, coming to us from beautiful Foster on the New South Wales coast, is Deb Carr, whose stories of communication from her late brother Gary appear throughout my book Love Never Dies. Deb, a single mother of two who publishes the popular Sydney Chic blog, grew up in New Zealand with her three brothers. The siblings used to spend many happy hours playing together when they were growing up, but a shadow fell across their world when Gary was ten, as Deb is about to share with us. What happened to the little boy plunged him into depression and rage and led eventually to his decision to take his own life at the age of 34 in 1998. Deb was inconsolable and it was only her experience of hearing from her brother a few days later that stopped her from succumbing to despair. Here's my conversation with Deb Carr. Please note that this episode references sexual abuse and suicide. If you or anyone you know is struggling, Please call Lifeline in Australia on 13 11 14. Welcome, Deb, to the Spirit Sisters podcast. It's lovely to have you. That's great to be in touch with you again, Karina. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? It's been, yeah. it's been a few years. It has, yeah. And what I noticed today going through my files, getting ready for this conversation, is that you had initially contacted me when I was collecting stories for Spirit Sisters, but I, it wasn't until Love Never Dies that I wrote your story. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That was a few years ago now. I know. So, yeah, we've yeah. been in contact over the years and it's lovely to be speaking again. Yeah. So, so, Deb, let's begin by you telling the listeners a little about yourself. Where do I begin? <laughs> well, I'm heading into my 58th year and I'm pretty proud of that. I should actually have um, not be here. I nearly died and we'll probably talk about that early, um, later on in the conversation. I was born in Wales and ever since I was a little girl, I've always had an, um, an I, I just want a knowing, a knowing that there's more to life than just life, that there is. In fact, I would even say it's, almost detrimental to me because I'm so intrigued with the spirit world and and fascinated by death not in a morbid way but in a way to live life better if that makes sense totally yeah yeah so I'm currently um I work as a blogger so I've got a, a couple of online publications that I am very passionate about and I also 
that oh sorry that was just the plant blowing over in the wind oh. and I also love um I build websites and that's basically what I do so the digital market marketing world is where I am okay and uh, self-employed okay thank you for that introduction um I certainly relate to that understanding that you've had ever since you were a little girl that there's something more and um, mm -hmm. I yes and that's kind of why we're here today because that <laughs> yeah, drives sorry. me too. <laughs> yeah. um, so as I was saying Deb you first wrote to me when I was collecting stories for Spirit Sisters at that point yeah. you had you had written a book I believe about your experiences with your brother your, the, your brother's spirit yeah, I, it's not a published book. It was something I was just writing for myself. And I kept a diary too when he died. So um, I've had an a interesting life with things that are not what we would deem or say is normal. I've had a lot of experiences with the spirit world. Um, I'm not psychic and I haven't, um, I can't say that I've, I'm psychic, but I've seen and felt a lot of stuff and I've had possibly a near-death experience myself um i'm not sure if it was or not because i was under anesthetic but something very profound happened to me once when i was having an operation and was that um during this last very um serious illness that you went through no it was um possibly 20 years ago so and it's still as vivid in my mind i can recall it at any time and it was when I was coming out of the anaesthetic, I knew what God was. I knew what the universe was. I knew everything, everything that I ever wanted to know, I knew. But I was told, in some, not with a voice, but somehow I knew, that I would not be able to remember any of it except that I knew. I know right. that sounds silly, but that's what happened. Um, I had another one too at a recent anaesthetic I had, um, not after after this operation um, I had earlier this year, when I came out of it and I, I was in this beautiful garden, but it, it looked like it was a garden draw, with a drawing. It was quite bizarre and I felt that I had been with my mum, but that's all I can remember feeling that I'd been with her. But I vividly remember this, like this table, this really pretty table in this garden. How lovely. And if yeah. we could just go back to that first experience that you mentioned because there's a lot mm. there that's intriguing. And um, I know that you say that, it does, that you're not sure whether it was an NDE because mm. of your, um, the anaesthesia that you were coming out of, but certainly the things you say bear all the hallmarks of the mm. near-death experience such as, you know, that understanding of what God is and the full knowledge of the universe and its working. Yeah. Like I've I heard that time and yeah. again. And yeah. even in one of my uh, podcast interviews with Faith, she had that same knowledge. And then when you come back, most NDEs aren't privy to remembering that for some reason. Yeah. But do you remember anything? Like, do you what? Do you remember anything of what God is? Like that understanding of what that spirit is? Well, um, with that experience, I could hear this kind of click, click, click noise, and I could see. I can only describe it as a, a Lego set that the universe is all, um, I don't know, put together in a very structured way. Okay. And to me, God is everything. Like we we are part of God, but I still talk to God as if he, she, whatever is 
not part of me sometimes, but I, I don't know. I, it's just, it was very strange. Mm. But I haven't forgotten it ever, ever, have never forgotten it. And that's another interesting aspect too because with these kind of mystical experiences, they are like tattoos on the heart, you know, they don't yeah. go a hallucination or some kind of other passing sort of experience would fade with time. That's right. And I've had another experience once. I wasn't under anaesthetic, but I had this dream, very profound, maybe 10 years ago. And in the dream, there were these two angels, very huge angels behind me. I couldn't see them, but I could feel them. And everything I was looking at was covered in this kind of film, and I said to them, what is that? And they said, these are your thoughts. And they're like everything you think gets attracted to you and forms your future. Never forgotten that either. So oh. whether that was a real angel experience or not, I'm not sure. That's, um, yeah, there's, that's very deep, isn't it? And yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and I've certainly heard about that as well from, you know, people that have had mystical encounters or near-death experiences, some of them have this understanding that you mentioned about the universe being kind of this big thought, one big thought, and also this idea of mechanics behind it. It's very interesting, Deb. It is. It's so intriguing. I just love it. I love looking at the stars at night. I'm lucky. I live in the country, so I look out my window and I just see them there and sometimes shooting stars or meteors as they are, and I just love it. So fascinating. How beautiful. That's yeah. that's lovely. So let's go back to um, talking about your late brother and yeah. because in Love Never Dies we wrote at length, I wrote at length about that and that was the yeah. main part. I, I Actually, I was looking through the book and you're through it. You're kind of peppered throughout. There yeah, are about yeah. four yeah. bits um, because your, your story is very wide-ranging and your brother yeah. Gary is kind of the linchpin of your story. So I thought mm. if you could begin to just explain... A little bit about your brother Gary and the bond that you shared and still do share to this day. Gary was a very talented young man. He had he could draw cartoons like like anybody's business. He was and he started this when he was very young. And here's interesting: I was at my dad's the other day, and I was going through some of the stuff like Mum passed four years ago, and I found all Gary's comics, like 1966 Donald Duck and whatever, and I brought them all home because I'm that close to him. And So Gary, um, he was a lovely, lovely boy, and at the age of about 10 he started to become very angry. And as it turns out, this was because he was molested by a priest, and we didn't find this out for a very long time. But as he also grew up, he did... He developed drug habits and he had drinking problem and all sorts of stuff and he was very, very depressed. And he would lean on me a lot, especially in his late 20s and my late 20s. That's when he would lean on me and he'd ask me, you know, how, what was it like to feel happy and stuff like that. Mm. And he tried to commit suicide a few times and he had um, actually showed me scars on his wrist, which shocked me. He never told my parents but he, he shared that kind of stuff with me. And then I always knew he would take his life. That was pretty much on the cards. But the day he did, I, I just, um, I can't explain what you go through. It's just horrendous. Like I'm even tearing up now thinking about it. And it was a good 20 years ago. But he had had enough. He just didn't want to be here anymore. So his his death was awful. And um, I, I, 
I went into a deep depression with grief. And then um, about a few days, I think it was after he died, I was lying in bed crying and I had this vision of him, clear as anything. He was wearing a jumper that was white with a black and white diamonds on it and black jeans and he was really scruffy because he was a scruff. <laughs> and um, he put his arm around me in the vision and he said, told me telepathically that um, everything I believe in life after death is true. And then... I heard his voice, heard him, physical voice in my ear, just in my, um, it was my right ear, and he said, Deb, yeah, he told me, Deb, I'm okay, because I was really worried because he committed suicide that he might be suffering still, and he just told me, I'm okay, I'm very happy. So wow. I still remember, yeah, it was amazing. I still think about that. Well, It gave me, it, yes. it made, me, made me survive, yeah. It made you survive, my goodness. Mm. And that's I a, was so depressed. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And that's such a big yeah. part of why I, I, I'm so passionate about, you know, you, people, lovely people like you sharing your stories because they are lifesavers, you know. They are. And um, I do believe that life goes on. There is nothing in this world that will convince me that we don't move on. We do. We just, we do. I know we do. Yeah. Deb, um, if we can just go back to that vision, if you can just, if yeah. we can unpack that a little bit more. You, so, so you were crying, you were in, in such grief in your bedroom. Yeah. A and how did this vision, was it in front of you, like a screen opened up in front of you or was it inside your mind? It was like in the front of my forehead, I guess, like if you're having a deep meditation uh, or how a psychic might see things. It was like a, it was so vivid, it was real. Like I did, I was awake, I wasn't, you know, but it was in my mind and it, very, very clear. And then the noise was, well, just a voice. <laughs> like it was his voice. It wasn't a, a voice in like, it wasn't words, it was his voice. Yeah. And what was it like to hear your brother's voice, an audible voice in your bedroom <laughs> yeah. outside of your head? Three days after he's died. Incredible. Just absolutely, it gave me proof that life does go on. It was incredible. And he obviously knew that I needed to hear him. And maybe, I don't think we're often allowed to to know where our loved ones go or whatever because I think we'd all just really jump off the planet and go and join them. It's so good. So I think they don't let them come back to us that often. And when they do, I think it's a, for a very special reason. And that could be also why so often, just about every single time actually, the message is such a simple one that they come back with and it is, I'm okay. It's I'm okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. is going to be okay. They're not, it's like they're, like you say, they're not allowed to say too much. <laughs> they're not allowed because we would all probably, you know, <laughs> off we go. But um, my mother visited me too when she died. Oh, tell us about that. Um, yeah, well, she died four years ago. When she died, we, I was driving home with my daughter. My daughter was driving me. And we were just, that mum and dad live on a, a like in the country, and we were going down the dirt track, and we both felt mum in the back. We both felt our that's you know that tingling you get in your spine. Yes. And then when we got home, about a, a flock of one hundred cranes, you know, the birds, they yes. all landed in dad's dad's backyard just dad's backyard which is on an acre and I've about um, a few months after that I was lying in my bed 
and somebody came and sat on it. Now, I live alone, and I felt I didn't see anything, but the bed, I felt the physical someone sat on my bed, and um, I just felt it was my mother. I wasn't even scared. It was just mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, Mum, <laughs> you oh. come to And I felt her looking down at me. And um, apparently when my auntie was dying on her deathbed a couple of years later, her son had gone to um, to see his mother and Auntie Frances said to, to Wayne, get off the bed, Auntie Sylvie's sitting there. Oh. Sylvie's my mum. Yeah, and this was just where Frances was dying. So interesting. That is mm. interesting. Yeah. So, Deb, so just because the story of Gary and the signs yeah. and his comfort of you in the years yeah. following his death is, is quite a complex and, and beautiful one. So I just mm. want to um, share that with the listeners as well. So first mm. of all, you say that um, hearing him three days after he died and knowing that he was okay helped you mm. survive. So what yes. did that look like in terms of your life? Like you were suddenly able to, to stop crying, to get out of bed, to move on a little bit. What did um, it, how did it affect you? Not straight away. It took a few months actually. But there, I hung on to that. And that in the three months, I would put it down that I had three months of severe grief. And I was only a young mother. So I had two young children to, to deal with, or to deal with, I mean to care for. <laughs> Having that thought of knowing that he was alive somewhere gave me a lot of comfort. And um, I used to paint at night time um, because he was a painter and I felt that that brought me very close to him and he helped me to paint. I used to like to paint frogs and nature stuff. Haven't done so for a long time since then, but it just gave me that, yeah, that that hope that and that relief that he was yes. okay. He was okay. And he came to me in a couple of dreams, you know, during the years too. He hasn't come to me for a long time now because I think wherever he's gone, he's moved on a bit. But I feel he's with my mother and um, in a very happy place. In fact, I feel that he's like an angel or something, like he's, he's big in some, in some form. Yeah. When we spoke for um, Love Never Dies, you told me that you, you very much believed that he was continuing with his art over yeah. there and helping others, that he was an art teacher of sorts in heaven. <laughs> yeah. Well, he used to say to me that when he, because when he would paint stuff, he would paint with colours that quite surreal. Like, and I said to him once, where do you get these colours from? He said, I'm when I astral travel. So he used to leave his body and travel onto the astral planes and he saw the colours mm-hmm. over there. And he used to say to me, I don't belong here. I don't belong on this planet. He never felt like he belonged here for some some reason. I don't know why. But, um, yeah, that having him, yeah, I believe he's out there teaching, doing something, something good. I just feel it. That's all I can say. And something interesting mm-hmm. that he said to mm-hmm. you was um, everything that you believe about life after death is true. So mm. you two used to have lots of conversations about the afterlife. Oh, yeah. Yep. We would, that's what we would talk about quite often. <laughs> We're fascinated by it, just fascinated by what happens. And he was actually the first one to introduce me to the law of attraction. He's, he gave me a, a book of Louise Hay's Heal Your Life. Yes. This is when it was all first, you know, yeah, coming the, out. In this the is 90s. the 1980s, yeah. Yeah, before, yeah. yeah. 
so he had a um, we had a, a big bond in that way like we were both fascinated by by death and it's not as I said to you before we started recording I'm not I'm fascinated by death in a good way not a morbid way like I just think knowing that when we die that we are accountable and we move on uh, makes us a better person in this life if we understand that what we do to others is is recorded yes and it's also mm. what we do to ourselves exactly yeah, yeah. So um, there is a very beautiful story about a feather. Now, feathers, mm. uh, green feathers are the way that mm. Gary really lets you know he's around. And there's a particular story of a feather followed yeah. by um, a psychic reading that then led to something extraordinary. Can you tell us about oh, yeah. this? Which happened, was it, Deb, about three years after he passed away? Yeah, it would have been a few years after he passed away. So I'll start with um, the feather first. Yes. So, yeah, I used to collect all these feathers, um, the green ones, and you're right, that's when I knew he was around. And funnily enough, I don't see them anymore. I even saw one. I even got on a virgin flight, you know, and, and sat down and there was a green feather on the floor. That I, It was incredible the <laughs> amount of feathers that I would find. But anyway, um, but somehow, because I used to do a lot of blogging or and a lady contacted me because of my story about I wrote about Gary and um, she was heartbroken because her little girl of only age five had, oh, this is tragic, she she had gone up on a slippery dip and had a handbag on her over her neck and it got caught and the little girl died, oh. only five-year-old. It's just terrible. And so this lady contacted me to, to give her a bit of hope, I guess, having heard about my story with Gary. And we became friends and I told her about the feathers and she lived in Queensland, I lived New South Wales, and one day she sent me a present and it was this beautiful white feather. It was wrapped in a gold bow and it was it had a, a poem with it called An Angel Has Asked Me to Send This to You, something along that line. Yes. And it came just unexpectedly after, and I should have probably told you about the psychic, the, the psychic first. So um, I had this psychic reading and he told me all this stuff about, his name's Michael Wheeler, he's quite famous now, and he told me um, all these things like he said, oh, your your mother's dog is over in heaven, the dog starting with the letter B. And I said, oh, yeah, that's um, Blocker. And, and he said, oh, well, there's two other dogs with the letter B. Well, that would have been Bully and Butch. So she had three, three bull ter terriers starting with the letter B. So, And then he said, um, oh, your brother's here, he's playing the guitar. Well, Gary played the guitar and he loved playing the guitar in fact when he died he left us a tape a suicide tape with him playing the guitar and other things so rather than a suicide note he recorded yeah. himself okay yeah but he did leave a, a quite a dark message on the cassette as well so the, then the psychic said to me oh your brother loves the tattoo he loves the tattoo of the feather well two or three weeks before that I had a tattoo of a feather put on the low of my back in memorial of Gary. Go and explain that. You just can't, can you? <laughs> oh, wow. I know one knew about it. <laughs> so you'd just done that secretly and not told anybody? No. Amazing. And that's yeah. what he said to me. And then um, he also said, you're going to get an unexpected gift from your brother in the mail. And that's when the feather came in the mail after the feather I just talked oh, about. In, with the parcel from the grieving mum. Yeah, yeah. 
it was just, and she said, the grieving mum had said to me, I was just compelled to send this to you when I was in the shop. It was just, a, I just had to send it to you. So I've had lots of experiences that have given me no doubt that love never dies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, they're, they're, that's extraordinary, extraordinary yeah. set of circumstances. Yeah. So what are some yeah. of the other ways that Gary has come to you? And I know there have been some profound dreams. There's a fragrance that he would, yeah. that you would smell from time to time, a beautiful fragrance. Yeah. John Quills. John Quills, that's right. Yeah, the, the, the beautiful John Quills, um, which are all flowering at Dad's house now. Um, they're beautiful. Um, yeah, I've had some profound dreams with him. I mean, I felt that I was with him. And I, one dream I remember waking up and the whole pillow was saturated because I'd been crying because I'd, I'd been with him. I'm, I'm sort of they're vague. They're getting a bit vague on me now because they were a long time ago. But he's definitely came to me in dreams that I knew were more than a dream, very lucid. I lucid remember dreams. that one that mm. you're talking about because you described it in the same way. You said, I woke up and my pillow was absolutely yeah. saturated. You were sitting with yeah. him on a stone bench. That would have been it. Yeah, yeah I remember and I was just, yeah, the pillow was wet. Maybe <laughs> I, I, maybe I should so much. read it out if I find yeah, it. if you can find it. Let me see. I've marked all the little parts here. Yeah, I haven't read the book for a while. I have to dig it out and read it again. So while I'm looking for that, yeah. Gary, as you said, he had had out-of-body experiences and so yeah. so do you, Deb, or, or you, you used to. Yeah, yeah. I haven't had one for a while but I would not go to the astral planes like Gary did. I'd only leave my body and be in the room and... I know it's going to happen because I get a profound buzzing in my head and I feel my soul lift out and I try and make it go so I have a glimpse of, you know, the other side, but I never get there. I don't think they trust me. They don't trust me to to, to do it, <laughs> the spirits. It's interesting that you mentioned that buzzing because I've yeah. interviewed many people who have said that that kind of buzzing or a, high kind of vibration, Yeah, um, it. it precedes a, a mystical kind of experience like it that. It does, yeah. And I've had a couple of scary ones too, but I think these are, are nothing spiritual really. They're called night terrors or something where yes. your body is paralysed but your mind's not. They are. I had one only two weeks ago and they are terrifying. Yes, it's called mm. sleep paralysis. That's and, it, sleep paralysis. And yeah. again, it's... It's complicated because sleep paralysis is an, a medical condition and it has mm. a, a diagnosis and treatment. But I feel like there's a grey area with paralysis itself because that too is something that tends to precede either the the seeing of an apparition or the leaving of the body. Like it's it's got to do with these spiritual encounters, a sense of paralysis. And I I only know that because uh, you know I've heard it time and again from my oh, interviewees. Good. So, yeah, so it's a strange kind of crossover between the scientific and, and the, the mystical mm. there. But I have found the dream. Yeah, tell me. And here <laughs> it is. So I've written, one poignant dream visitation took place three years after Gary died. The setting was a funeral at a church where five coffins That's were right. being brought in and Gary stood at the altar, jubilant. He was mm. dancing and putting his arm out saying, bring those coffins up mm. here. You bring them up here, Debbie. You don't know how happy it is over here. Yeah. They don't know yeah. what they're in for. That's it. 
And then I've written, Deb believes the quintet of caskets represented the five living members of their family, so of your family, Deb. Yeah, yeah. So in the dream, I sat down in a pew next to Dad and he was crying. I held his hand and said, Dad, what are you crying for? Gary is really, really, really happy. And then I woke up and my pillow was saturated with my tears. Oh, yeah. There was a little bit more to that dream too because my mother was in the pew behind Gary. She was up on the altar where he was and she was really happy and young and mum was the next person in the family to die. She died four years ago, which was a good, you know, 16 years after Gary, but it's quite interesting. That she was the next person. Yeah, Yeah. and she was happy because mum also suffered from a lot of depression too. So, um, yeah, she was really happy. Yeah. Oh, well, that's that's nice. And I'm glad I managed to find that dream yeah, in there. And I'm glad yeah. it, it jogged your memory of that yeah, other detail now, too. I'm vivid as anything now. I remember it so well. Dad was wearing a grey suit. Oh, my goodness. That suit in that dream is what Dad wore to my mother's funeral. Oh. Oh, I just that just clicked with me. Really? I can just see him in that dream now. And he's, yeah, it was that grey suit. Oh. How bizarre. Oh, and the listeners can't see you. I can see you now, and I can see how what like how radiant your eyes are, like, wide open with this yeah. discovery. I just remember that. <laughs> how good is that? That's amazing. So, what has happened in? So, I know a lot has happened in your life in the six years since we did our interview for Love Never yeah. Dies. You've had some more experiences, and you've lived through a lot. Tell us about it, Deb. Well, the the scariest thing ever happened to me was earlier this year. It actually started a year ago. I became very sick and um, I've got Crohn's disease and I've been pretty lucky with it. That's why I've had other um, operations and whatever, or small, not major. And um, when uh, this year I, I got so sick and so fatigued, and I'll be honest with you, I was that unwell, I wanted not to live anymore. It was really bad. And I went to emergency like three times and I was sent home every time. What we didn't know was I was brewing inside me uh, of what they call a sos abscess. Um, that's a, a muscle in your body. The pain, I woke up one day and the pain was so bad that I knew that if I didn't get to hospital, I was gone. So I decided to lie and tell them it wasn't, I didn't have Crohn's disease. I didn't mention it because I knew if, as soon as I mentioned that, um, they sent me home with prednisone. Um, anyway, they look, took, a, look, a look at, took a look at me and put me straight in because I was near death, like I was grey, and it turned out that this abscess had like 300 mils of horrible fluent, fluid in it, and the very more, that very next day, another doctor came in. He wasn't meant to be there that day, and he looked at the other, my, my CT scans and said, this woman needs an operation now, and within two hours, I was having my um half my colon taken out and it was horrendous it, it was the uh, karina it was horrendous wow. and um i couldn't it took me a long time to to recover and we were only talking six months ago but now i'm fully recovered and um i feel like i have a new lease on life that i have a yeah more appreciation and i was given a second chance i was meant to be here but if i hadn't gone to the hospital that day i don't think i would have survived if that abscess had burst i was gone and it's rare karina like to have a sosapsis is so rare how a little regional hospital picked it up and the 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 doctor dr garley i love this man so much 
beautiful, beautiful man. I found out later that he, he says the sign of the cross and says a prayer before he does every operation. He saved my life and I'm oh. very, very grateful and I know that I'm meant to be doing something with my life and I still haven't figured it out yet. Well, I was, I was going to ask you about that because you had a sense of that when we last spoke as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's um, something to do with I, – I still think I'm meant to write that book. Yes, you I, were writing yeah. a memoir when we yeah. – Yeah, I lost it all on Word document. I lost the file and then I started a blog. So I've got it all written down on a blog. I just really need to put it all together and put it into – a book, it's called The Jasmine in the Forest, and that name was given to me. Um, you don't know this story. I, I was riding my bike one day, and I was quite down because I was having a lot of issues with um, financial issues at the time, and um, I felt quite hopeless. And then I was just heard this, not a voice like I heard Gary, but a, a message came to me, you have to write a book, and it's called The Jasmine in the Forest. And that night when I was... Um, in my apartment where I lived, I actually lived with my brother and he has a, a pole house. So it's 50 steps to get to the top of the house. A pole house, a, did you say? Yeah, yeah. yeah, pole. I had this uh, this this Zeus or God um, garden ornament up on the top of the deck in the dark. You can't ever, you would never see it. And the lights automatically come on if anyone comes to that level of the house. And mm -hmm. that's where my bedroom was. So the lights never came on. The next morning, this concrete Zeus or God was had been lifted up and placed like where it should never. It couldn't have fallen. It would have broken. It couldn't have been there. I don't know how it got there. No one could have come up and moved it. And I just took that as a sign of, yeah, what well, I'm, I'm on the path. Something has to be. So how yeah. far had it moved? Oh, like, well, I'm talking higher than a high ceiling. So it's like a. The first level of the house, it's four-level story house. It had moved like from there, I don't know, six meters. How extraordinary! Bizarre. And was it's there anybody bizarre. else in the house with you? They were upstairs. Kevin and his wife were up on the top floor. So. And did you ask him about it? Yeah, he thought I was a nutter, <laughs> and his wife thought it was a spiritual thing. Yeah. Just and, bizarre. And yeah. tell us a little bit about the knowing that you had. So this title, The Jasmine in the Forest, just popped mm. into your head. Yeah. And what was your understanding of the substance of the book? What has to be in it? Uh, everything that I've probably already written on the blog. So it's all to do with spirituality, motivation. I've always been in the motivational um, industry as well. I used to be in the speaking industry. I think it's just to give people hope. And lately I've been, I've written a few stories on the Crohn's disease because I think Crohn's disease is a terrible disease and I just want to give people some hope that what I went through and I'm now, and I'm not even on any medication. I am on medication not for Crohn's for something else, sort of digestive related, but I'm not on any heavy meds and I'm feeling amazing and I'm fitter than ever and, yeah, it's just crazy <laughs> what good. do you put that down to your renewed health well obviously um having the disease portion of my colon taken out and that abscess gone but i just think my um just my belief my belief that i'm okay okay like i believe that the mind's very powerful and um i believe i've also got a purpose so maybe i'm living my purpose and i don't know it i don't you know but i feel that i've got to do something else 
Okay. And what do you think the title The Jasmine in the Forest means? What's that a, what does that mean? I think it means because jasmine doesn't normally grow in a forest and you know how forest is very dark and I think it means that the jasmine crawls up the tree to get out to the light okay. at the top of the canopies and that's how I feel it's meant to be and also I love that smell of jasmine like, oh it's beautiful as soon as I, oh, and it's about to come out now it because is. it's you know coming to spring and that's what I think it is it just means that there's a light out of darkness that's that, what I think it that's means. lovely and also the jasmine flower is so delicate yeah it's so delicate and beautiful yeah and it is. yeah and to think that a jasmine in a forest you know making its way surviving in yeah. amidst that's lovely it's almost yeah. it makes me think of you deb do you oh, think it could be you <laughs> it could be <laughs> it could be never thought of that <laughs> <laughs> there you go i remember another quite powerful thing that you told me uh, when we spoke last is that there's a part of you that's here on earth and there's a part of you that's over there and actually your actual quote was part of me still on the other side so do you still feel like that yes I do and I, I, I don't want people to take this the wrong way I'm not a person who doesn't want to be here that's not who I am I've just got this this knowing that there is something else and I feel that um, I'm being tested on on earth because I know deep inside me, like I had that NDE, if that was such a thing, that there's something amazing, amazing awaiting us and it's also that those that we love are over there waiting for us as well. I just know it. Like I try and explain it to my dad or to people that, that want to believe or that don't and I can't, I can tell you this, nothing will ever make me believe that we don't continue in life but we have to make a really good go of it on this planet while we're here and that's what you're working hard to do now in your quiet way yeah I think I do I mean I I know I don't take life too seriously like I do laugh at the silliest things yeah I I do believe that we just have to have fun and I, I do believe that we're not all put here to struggle and that dream of Gary at the altar, and he was so jubilant, so excited. That seems to seems to think like you. That he we're does. Not, yeah, he does. He does. He's a he's yeah. He's a, he's there, but he's moved on. I know he has because like, I don't hear from him anymore. I know he's moved on to to bigger things. And I, I still believe I'm going to see him, like when I go, and I'm going to see Mum too. But uh, we have to move on. Yes. We have to live our life here and just make the most of it. Oh, well, Deb, I, I've i so enjoyed catching up with you today. Yeah. It's Sorry, been... I just have to unplug my, um, I had to plug my charger in. <laughs> That's all right. It's so lovely to catch up with you today. And I want to know, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we go? Yeah, I just think um, everybody should just have fun and love and, and treat people the way you want to be treated. Don't take yourself seriously. Like we're just here for a short time, and you know when you nearly—not that I had a near-death experience earlier this year—but I, I was very close to dying. Like that, you under—you realise then when you don't have your health, you've got nothing. So you just make the most of it every day. And Deb, you made quite a life transformation, didn't you, in terms of moving to the country, you yeah. turned your life around. Was that after yeah. this experience with, um, with the illness? 
No, no, that I moved um, a year and a half ago. So, so the readers, uh, the readers, the listeners know I have quite a well-known blog in Sydney called Sydney Chic. So Sydney is what I write about. But I took the car. I thought, you know, I'm going to leave Sydney, and people might think that's bizarre. Well, the blog, 18 months, is still going strong, very strong. Great. And um, I'm a different person because when I was in Sydney, it was party, party, party because I was always invited to these VIP events and, you know, partying and drinking too much and eating the wrong food. And um, I moved up here, and it was the best thing I've ever done because now, now I live. In a place called Foster, which is on the New South Wales coast, I'm a beach bum <laughs> and I, I'm in the country where I can look after my dad who's very sick at the moment and he's, he's on his he's at end-stage kidney failure, so, you know, I'm bracing myself for that. But, yeah, life is so much better and I've just, I'm so more relaxed and happier up here and I still go down to Sydney all the time and I flew down there, I just flew back from there today. Yeah, it's good. That's great. Well, thank you again, Deb. It's just been lovely and um, I hope you keep in touch with us. Yes, for sure. And I look forward to um, listening to more of your podcasts. I'm really enjoying them. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm thrilled to hear it. Thanks so much, Deb. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters, the podcast, based on my best-selling book of the same name. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me again next time for another intriguing conversation exploring mysteries and marvels. In the meantime, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. I also welcome your feedback, so please message me through my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. Perhaps you have your own encounter to share. If so, I'd love to hear it. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story. Thank you.